Welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster. My name is Dave, and I'm here as usual with Matt. We are we are down a man. Uh, Cameron's on vacation, but uh, we're staying the course. Uh, how are you doing, Matt? I'm good, Dave. How are you doing? I'd I'd be better if it wasn't so hot outside. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's ridiculously hot. It's uh, 108 in Fahrenheit and um, 42, I guess. In uh, wow. Yeah, I literally my my skin would evaporate as a as a Brit at that sort of. We can't hit forty. We struggle in the thirties. I said we had thirties here last week, and like I said, the country came to a standstill. We can't, you know. You you could take you could take us out with a bunch of heaters. You don't need to deal with those <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not much better here. Everyone just kind of stays indoors, uh, has the AC running. Um, I, I have a tan for once in a very long time. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'll see if I can maintain that. Usually I just burn <laughs> nice, healthy pink. All the all the aircon companies are doing good business out there, no doubt. Oh, yeah, and the bottled water guys. <laughs> yeah, rubbing their hands together. <laughs> All right, um, what are we taking a look at this week? We are taking a peek into Mimics uh, mm. of the extraterrestrial variety. Yeah, this is going to be a, a bit of a different one, because I suppose, because I said Cameron's, Cameron's over in my neck of the woods at the moment, so it's a two-man show, so we're having a bit of a bit of a slight spin-off, aren't we, from the norm? Yeah, you know, we're, we're keeping it uh, monster-friendly, um, yeah. but a, but a little bit lighter. <laughs> we are yeah. flexible. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, to get down to it, we are looking at the novel, all you need is kill. Um, mm. it's a, a light novel, um, written in Japan in 2004 by Hiroshi Sakurazaka. And uh, had uh, illustrations by uh, Yoshitoshi Abe, who's uh, he's pretty uh, prolific in uh, the design and um, yep. things of that nature. Yeah, so it's, it's it's a the novelization or where or the novel that inspired uh, Edge of Tomorrow or Live Die Repeat, depending on where you <laughs> where you know it from. So I think it does it does it depend on which country? Because I know that it was called Edge of Tomorrow, but I think it was a bit of a forgettable title, isn't it? I think that's why they called it Live, Die, Repeat, as far as I know. Yeah, and then I think the... I know the US release was Edge of Tomorrow, subtitled um, Live, Die, Repeat, or maybe that yeah. was the tagline um, in the film. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. yeah, it's also up for a, a sequel coming out. Um, they don't have a date for that. Probably in the I don't know, next year or something. Okay. Well, but, you, well the uh, film, you mean? Yeah, the film. It'll it'll be right. reprising um, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt's roles. Oh, nice. So yeah, I mean, I'll probably oh, get around God. to watching that. The yeah. the film was all right. It was fun. Yeah. It's popcorn it's, flick. Yeah. Well, I, I watched the film before. I didn't even know it was based on a novel. To be honest, I mean, it, it was one of those sort of films that that I watched sort of. At random a little while ago it's one of those where i think a friend bought it for me you know for christmas a couple of years you know yeah a couple of years ago and it was just one of those that you know just stays in you on your shelf for a while I'm like yeah you know it's just another tom cruise film i'll get around to it you know it just it reminded you know i thought i was gonna you know a bit like oblivion or you know the other you know a few of the other sci-fi films he's in it just sort of looked a bit run the mill but but it's you know it's passable it's you know well enjoyable actually i quite enjoyed the film it's nothing you know i don't think it's gonna win awards but it's you know it's perfectly watchable isn't it and you know and i think the same goes for the novel as well as well really doesn't it yeah um i think out of the two i don't know i i liked aspects of the novel and then i liked certain things that they changed um for the film yeah yeah because i i think the i think i prefer the human side of things in the novel I think that the character, the two main characters, plus you know the the others are, are stronger as opposed to the ones in the film. But I think the, especially from a visual side of point of view, the mimics are better in the film as opposed to the novel. Really, again, I know you only go on description, but I think they 
they're sort of portrayed a bit better. Yeah, I mean they're they're a visual creature. Um, mm-hmm. They're backseat, I guess, to the human story. I mean, exactly in the in the novel, yeah. and uh, there's maybe mm, three like full, you know, couple paragraph description of of the creatures and what they are, and there's a little bit of exposition that uh, we find out the true nature, you know, of these. Uh, invasive creatures yeah i mean that i mean they're starting with that there i mean their description is a bit vague really um i sort of got a bit out of the book here where it says four limbs and a tail at any rate something like the bloated corpse of a drowned frog we like to say to hear the lab rats tell it they have more in common with starfish so it's a bit you know i mean you've got obviously they they use the bloated frog analogy quite a lot <laughs> throughout the novel don't they and it's sort of you know i was thinking what sort of creature is that supposed to be <laughs> it's, you know, it's sort of quite it doesn't sound that scary compared to what you know if you've seen the film where they're quite terrifying in that in comparison yeah it's um it, description it's a good visual image like that mm-hmm. striking imagery that um you know it's in contrast to the sort of markedly um, mechanoid appearance of them in the uh, the film. Yeah, they seem more organic in the in the novel. Yeah, they 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 just seem well. They, I suppose at times throughout the film they do obviously relate that they they effectively come from the sea, don't they? So I suppose that's where they yeah. they they get the you know the the bloated frog the you know they're com, com, um, compared to amphibians. Mm. And such like, um, well, actually, I think it says actually as well. Again, there's something relating to that here. It says croakers were was obviously some local slang for mimics. Ordinary people never got the chance to see a mimic with their own eyes. At best, they'd catch a glimpse of a rotting corpse washed up on the beach, or maybe one that had gotten caught in a fishing net and died. But with the conductive sand washed away by the ocean, all that would remain would be empty husks. That's why a lot of people thought mimics were some type of amphibian that shed its skin. So, you know, again, that sort of paragraph sort of shows that throughout the, the novel, you just get little tidbits, don't you, about the mimics. It doesn't really get, you know, it doesn't really go into the, their nature particularly. It sort of, it, it just sort of gives you these little hints at what, how, you know, and it, I suppose, to, which I, makes sense to a degree, because I suppose throughout the the sort of fighting and the human side of things, they're still trying to understand what they are, don't they? They don't really truly know what they are, so I suppose it's you're seeing it from almost a you know a bystander's point of view, aren't you? Really? Yeah, uh, it, the characters I don't think know what they are. Um, they they don't care. It doesn't matter. It's an enemy. <laughs> no, okay. um, we do get background that I I want to say in the novel isn't directly told to anyone. I think it's exposition like narratively so the reader understands what these are but it's also like halfway through the book before you really get that picture yeah because i was waiting for that throughout the novel Mm because i like you said it's halfway through and there's this quite i mean i've got the paragraph in front of me here there's this strong paragraph where you go oh well that's actually where they come from because all you because obviously a lot of the focus is on the human side where you know the repeating the death and resetting of the day every time where like i said the the mimics have taken a bit of a backseat narratively throughout it you don't actually sort of you, you, you just you just sort of assume they're there aren't they it's just you're almost in the middle of the war aren't you really and it's just you don't really you know it doesn't feel the novel at that point obviously doesn't really feel it needs to tell you what the mimics are it, it's almost like the mimics could be anything really it doesn't really matter what what the humans are fighting they're obviously fighting something that's appeared on their doorstep they've had to react to it you know there's obviously a lot of description about the um the the equipment that the the soldiers use which are like endoskeleton um sort of power ironic. suits yeah, yeah. they're called jackets aren't they mm. in the novel you know they're effectively power suits like you said and and obviously the art, the armaments they use, etc. Whereas, like I said, the you know the, the mimics could be any type of alien race, really. That it doesn't you know really focus on that. Um, but then, like I said, you get this um, this quite descriptive paragraph, which 
I'll read I'll read out because I think it's sort of quite important because it, it does you know describe what what they're about really. Um, in the depths, the machines chanced upon uh, starfish. The crash produced nanobots penetrated the rigid endoskeletons of the starfish and began to multiply with their hosts. The resulting creatures fed on soil. They ate the world and shat out poison. What passed through their bodies was toxic to life on Earth, but suitable for the people who had sent them. Slowly the land where the creatures fed died and became desert. The seas where they spread turned a milky green. At first it was thought that the creatures were the result of mutation caused by chemical runoff or perhaps some prehistoric life form released by tectonic activity. Some scientists insisted it was a species of evolved salamander, although... Um, they had no evidence to support their conclusion. Eventually, these new creatures formed groups and began venturing out of the water. They continued their work to reshape the earth with no regard for the society of man. When they first appeared on land, the alien exoformers were not weapons of war. They were sluggish, and a group of armed men could easily dispatch them. But like cockroaches that developed resistance to pesticides, the alien creatures evolved. The crash machines at Kratom concluded that in order to fill their objective of xenoforming the planet, they would have to remove the obstacles standing in their way. War engulfed the world. The damage wrought was swift and massive. In response, a worldwide United Defence Force was established. Mankind had a name for the enemy that had brought the world to the brink of ruin. We called them mimics. So you get this, that's actually the, probably the most descriptive thing you'll ever really see, won't you, throughout the novel, actually explained in the background. You know, and it's actually quite interesting. And it's and it's just it's something I wish they would actually have gone a bit more in depth about, really, because that's actually quite interesting that, like it says, they were, you know, they've effectively come to, you know, to, to you know, take over the, the world, uh, Xenoform, you know, so that she started from scratch. And ultimately, you know, they were rubbish, weren't they, at the start? Effectively, <laughs> were the soldiers mm-hmm. and they built to, into the creatures they are. Um, I mean, what do you think about their background? No, I mean it's uh, they're 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 terraformers, um, mm-hmm. and they're not even like a soldier machine. They're they're just doing a specific job, and yeah. you know, evolved to to best do that. Um, what this reminds me of is uh, the kaiju in Pacific Rim. Yes, um, that that whole idea of them, uh, you know, they're invading the earth. Because we terraformed it for them, but it's you know they they release that kaiju blue. That's the same as this uh, <laughs> that sand that's inside the bodies of the uh, the mimics. Yeah, and it and it and it, you get again other little hints that they've evolved. Like for example, it makes a point that they've got an endoskeleton just below, below the skin, which you have to have at least fifty mil armor piercing rounds to penetrate. You know, they even like you said, you can tell where. They probably were just blobs of <laughs> deformed starfish, weren't they, at the start? Which, mm-hmm. like I said, just probably just you know just gradually came out of the sea. But then, obviously, they've they've realised that you know they've evolved. They've had to form armour to, and then they they their sort of main, I think, form of offence is a javelin, isn't it? Effectively, that they, that shoots out of their mouth, as, as far as I can tell. Anyway, again, it doesn't go into massive description. I presume it's like some sort of spear isn't it really yeah they fired like a spine yeah effectively which is <clears throat> which is quite funny because if you if you have you seen the or seen any of the pictures of them in the in the manga that's done off this have you seen their sort of uh, no i didn't they're, actually i mean i may have when it came out but that was a few years they're, ago they're, they're, <laughs> they're effectively they the 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 manga mimics in this are are um have drawn to be sort of spherical with a big basically you know big ball with teeth that you know and and then basically they they have spines at the bottom and they they seem to travel in air effectively it's almost something you would probably that wouldn't go amiss in berserk basically Mm. (laughs) you know it's it's they're quite a you know quite a again a contrast so you know effectively the the mimics in the novel, in the novel, in the film Edge of Tomorrow and the manga, all look completely different. <laughs> yeah, um, and then uh, like you, I read this after I'd seen the movie, so in my head they just look like the things Tom Cruise was fighting. Mm-hmm. Exactly, which which I think is a good, you know, a good portrayal of them. I mean, again, not 
not that it was anything to compare it to at the time because obviously like you said either of us hadn't read the novel then but I think they were actually done very well because they, they're almost they're, you know I suppose they, they contort which makes them quite eerie um, you know the the sort of the look of them is very they're very quick aren't they which you sort of you can't really sort of tell which end of the mimic is what <laughs> which I, I did read I did actually watch one of the um, like a little mini documentary when to do with the film in the edge of tomorrow where they that they did the director or the people in charge of creating the mimics for the film did that deliberately they wanted them to be a contorting random creature you know it was you know obviously they computer generated but they 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 sort of built a program where each sort of you know each tentacle or, or such would, would would sort of you know form on its own will you know which i thought was quite interesting whereas like i said the ones in in the novel and the manga sort of a quite you know look sound at least they you know you could there's not much randomness to them they're no they're they're more static static yeah exactly which you know which which is fine because again because they take a back seat it doesn't really matter mm. <laughs> effectively yeah i think the imagery um reminded me of the walkers in uh, war of the worlds yes but yeah. maybe not the Tom Cruise version. <laughs> no, no, not that one. Wipe that from your memory. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's you know, you just like I said, you just get these little excerpts. And um, I must admit, when I was trying to you know take this and get this research for the for the this podcast, it, it it was difficult at times. You know, you you just you don't really. You, you see more about their nature, I suppose, and sort of the way they evolve as opposed to their physical, um, the way they look. Um, like, again, there's another he- thing here that I've taken out of the, the novel. Uh, Most of the time, the mimics lurked in caves that twisted deep under the seabed. Before a ground assault, we fired bunker buster bombs that penetrated into the ground before detonating. Eat that. Each one of these of those babies cost more than I'd make in my entire lifetime, but the mimics had an uncanny way of avoiding the bombs. So again, you, you, you're seeing more about their evolution, but not really from a physical point of view. Again, apart from they obviously uh, getting you know tougher and more resistant, but it's actually more how they're evolving to deal with humanity, isn't it? Really, as opposed to the visual side of things, it doesn't. You know, I, I'll be honest. I, I think throughout the whole time of reading the novel. I never really pinpointed in my head what they looked like. You know, where you know when you obviously part of the novel is you in your head visualizing what the author is describing. Like you know, I just like I said I just went back to the Tom Cruise ones, <laughs> the <laughs> film. I thought right in my head that's that's what they look like. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot easier. I can imagine them like that. Which is yeah. a shame, really. No, but, I mean. You know. it- it is, but they serve they serve their purpose, and yeah. I don't know. I had I had a better mental image of the the jackets versus anything else. I mean, they, they spent so much time um, crafting that aspect. Yes, yeah, they did actually. You're right. I think that you know the whole how it works. Um, they obviously they went into quite a bit of depth about is it the is it the, the the auto balancer the stabilizer mm. you know there's quite a bit about that and obviously how you know rita the super soldier you know doesn't you know she doesn't even have it on her, on her jacket to you know prove out what you know what a badass she is in it and such like so yeah you're right i think the mimics do serve a purpose ultimately they're there to serve the 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 main selling point of the, the novel which is the live die repeat you know uh, side of things which is obviously the bit that makes it different to other novels and such like otherwise it would be effectively just another sci-fi novel wouldn't it really um but i think that um you know it, like i said it serves a purpose but um um i think i'm trying to think if like i said if they describe anything more about them um um maybe their nature as far as the idea of this hive mind that they have. They, yeah. they spent more time on that because that was the feature that enabled uh, this entire story to take place the way it did. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they, they, des- they describe them different, don't they, as opposed to the, the film? Because in the film, they're Alpha and Omegas, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Whereas in this, they're uh, Antennae and Servers, I believe. I think that's how they... Sort of yeah there's one there's like one main server i think yes and yeah that can or it doesn't have to be the antenna 
that relays the uh, ex- the battle experience. I guess that's um... yeah, yeah. Because like for for, pe- for anyone that's not seen the film, the the uh, Alpha is the one out on the battlefield, isn't it? And the uh, the Omega is the sort of is the the queen, effectively, you know, miles away from the battlefield. And effectively, when the Alphas are killed in the in the battlefield, which is what happens with um, Tom Cruise's character, uh, where he inherits the the abilities that they the basically the the mimics can rewind time, but they've also they also inherit the knowledge of what happened in the battle, so therefore they can you know prepare for it next time. And and effectively, humans don't know anything about this. Um, and like I said, it's it's slightly different though, isn't it, in the novel? I think it's sort of it, it doesn't it's it's almost on those lines, but it's sort of it's described a bit. Uh, differently, um, I mean, actually, I've got the excerpt here with the the uh, the network side of things. So, uh, the mimic at the heart of each pack was hiding in plain sight. Think of it as the server of a network. When you kill the server, the mimic network emits a specific type of signal. The scientists would later identify it as a pulse uh, or some other particle that could travel through time. But Rita really could really didn't really understand any of that. The important part that was that the signal emitted by mimics that had lost their server, travelled back in time to warn them of the imminent danger they faced. The danger appeared in the memory of the mimics as a, as a portent, a window into the future. The mimics that received this vision could modify their actions to safely navigate the pending danger. There was only one of many technologies discovered by that advanced race from a distant star. The process built into the design of each crash machine served as a warning system to prevent some freak accident from upsetting the xenoform and plan that had taken so long to place in motion. But the mimics weren't the only ones who could benefit from these signals. Kill a mimic server while in electrical contact with it and a human would receive the same gift of foresight meant for the network. The signal sent into the past doesn't distinguish between mimic and human. When it, and when it came, humans perceived the portent as a, as a hyper-realistic dream, accurate in every detail. So yeah, so that sort of paragraph sort of describes sort of how how you know humans inherit it or how it's you know given off etc so I, I like it i think the whole concept of rewinding time is really good actually because i i remember when i was seeing trailers of the film and not again like i said you're not really paying much attention to it until i watched it a little while ago that i was thinking oh what, what you know I, I wasn't sure how it played into it where someone keeps dying over and again and singing well how are they going to incorporate that into it? You know, I, I wasn't sort of, a, I didn't really understand how that was going to be part of the film, but I think it's it's done really well, actually. I think at the con, you know, when you actually get into the, of how the aliens can rewind time is actually quite a good concept, don't you think? Yeah. Um, it creates, I think, a plot hole uh, that's pretty huge. So... If um, our uh, our main protagonist in this case it's uh, KG uh, Kiria, um, if he has this power, but it's the exact same as the other all the mimics around him, and there's like hundreds of them, uh, there would be more stalemates. I think if both sides are learning the exact same thing all the time. Right. Like yeah. every time he dies, he he knows what happens, and he has to try to like avoid that. But yep. they they bring into it, I guess, later in the novel after sixty or some odd deaths. I don't remember. It's quite a few. That oh, the the mimics realize that he's a threat, or he's you know he's benefiting from the same thing they are. Yeah. Well, with that many mimics being out there, they should just be able to cut them off at the pass like way sooner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I, I suppose. They know it's the one dude. There's no one else there, you know. So why don't they just take care of it a little bit quicker? I mean, they do eventually key into that after like 120 deaths. Yeah, I, I suppose it. Yeah, it is a slight plot. I suppose that maybe it took them a. It took them that long to notice it because I suppose maybe ignorance from their point of view is you know again obviously we don't know obviously we know they do have. You know some intelligence mm. as an you know as an evolving uh, race, but you don't know if they ever thought that humans could inherit it. You know maybe it's just they thought it was unique to them as as their race, and and humans weren't possible to uh, to inherit it. And I suppose B, 
you know, I suppose, you know, narratively, then again, I suppose you wouldn't have any, not, you wouldn't have film, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I do. I suppose way round it, you know, I suppose it's one of those things you just got to sort of look past really, isn't it really? Um, but I think, you know, it, it, I suppose the good thing is with this part of the narrative is it allows them to do what they want. Uh, you know, both for, in the novel, especially because I, 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 you know, I think the novel way that he deals with, you know, his days, you know, is, is 160, about 160, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, about 160 deaths. That it's quite. I find it a bit more interesting than the film. I mean, I know the film version with Tom Cruise has him. You know, there's a few funny moments, isn't it, where he gets crushed by that truck <laughs> and, yeah. and and such like. You know, there is a few funny bits which just breaks it up, but I th- I think the novel portrayed how he was dealing with it better, you know, whereas I think with the film, you just look at it as Tom Cruise having a bit of an issue, like, oh, this, <laughs> what am I having to deal with it? Whereas I think in the, you know, I think in the, in the, the novel, uh, he deals with it better. You know, I think it's more interesting hearing the, you know, how he's, like how he looks at Rita, obviously how he's, you know, he starts to get feelings for her over the, you know, over the course of the deaths, how he, he interacts with the other soldiers. Again, I know it cut, you see bits of it in the, the film, but I find it, like I said, I find it much more interesting how he deals with it. It's sort of, you know, again, I suppose because it's a novel, you get to see his mindset a bit more, you know, how he's evolving and uh you know how he's picking up on little things and also i think you get to see more of the the, the location doesn't it really because i suppose throughout his deaths in the novel he's you know he's he's running away to different areas trying to you know he's like sneaking into the u.s soldiers camp and and such like and you know meeting villagers on you know on the beach and such like so i think it gets you get a bit more of what's going on whereas in you know in the film you don't really see that i suppose no, I mean the the battles kind of took them a couple places in the film, but it really just felt like one location. Um, I guess another another key difference is the the characterization of KG um, versus uh, Tom Cruise's character. Um, in the novel, he just he didn't seem like a very nice person. I, I mean, nobody really <laughs> did. Everyone was kind of a yeah. jerk, but yeah, he felt like. I don't know. It wasn't very relatable, I guess. The, yeah, he's, it's he's just his because it gets into his thoughts a lot, and you're just like, dude, just just chill out <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's it's an odd one, isn't it? Whereas I suppose KG in this one is, like I said, he's just he's almost like a a depressed teenager, isn't he? Really, a bit sort of like, oh, yeah, you know, sort of like. Whereas Tom Cruise is more confused isn't he than anything it's sort of a yeah he, I, again i don't know you know do you think is that because because it's a japanese novel it's know, because it's a light novel he's a light novel like a typical light novel protagonist i mean yeah. it's yeah. he goes the he runs the whole gamut of tropes um you know yeah. pulling on a, a bevy of ladies that fall in love with him for no reason <laughs> um you know he's the he's the the one dude that's the best at all the stuff, even though, you know, he does have to train to get there. He doesn't just oh, yeah, get it. Train. It's 160 times. It's like ex- excessive amount of relooping. Yeah. Um, exactly. And, you know, he just, he's really arrogant. He is actually, especially towards the end. He, he, it's funny because obviously you, you see these bits so that he's doing like the, you know, cause obviously it mentions quite a few times him doing, is it, it's ISO pushups, isn't it? Mm. And, and you know it's almost like you you see him evolving as he's getting a better soldier but his mind with it isn't getting better isn't it really he's almost going every every death he's getting better and he's he's getting more arrogant with it and he he the problem is he can see it but it, like i said it comes across as, as sheer arrogance and it it's almost like he he's just take he's almost taking advantage of it but for himself as opposed to the greater good you know, he's almost going, well, I want, you know, because there's a point in the novel where 
he decides he wants to use the axe that Rita uses because it's more efficient, which, uh, you know, it goes into the reasons why, uh, effectively, because the, the gun that they use only has, I think, 20 rounds, therefore you could only kill about 20 mimics with it, whereas, obviously, with an axe, in theory, you can Just kill keep it going. <laughs> yeah, basically. And, you know, so I, you get the reason for it, but he, he just goes and takes it, doesn't he? He just sort of goes in, I'm going, oh, I'm, I'm going to have that. Obviously, you, you see that, you know, how he, he, I mean, it's not as literally as simple as that, but it's almost like, yeah, he, he doesn't really have any regard for his fellow uh, soldiers, you know, the one, the, the sort of... The no, I mean, they're, they're all, everything is a means to an end to him. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he totally takes advantage of people's goodwill or tricking people or, you know, um, learning somehow crazy fighting moves that it only vaguely explains... So, I don't know. Well, um, yeah, as the I, character, I, I didn't. I didn't care for him. No, I agree. And I, I th- one thing that I found a bit odd and a bit surprising, which sort of is now jumping towards the end of the novel, where after he's he's killed Rita, spoiler, but he kills Rita. Um, that when he effectively becomes the super soldier and you know he, he, he you know from what he describes he's a blur of 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 death isn't he effectively just sort mm. of work you know it's almost like i can't see that happening i just it's almost like it was done like yeah he kills rita and then he becomes a super kills all the mimics uh, and then that's the end of it <laughs> so i don't know i just felt it was a bit flat towards the end they could have i felt they could have sort of made it a bit better and i didn't and it's almost like all it's done is highlight is is that arrogance is it like oh yeah so he's arrogant throughout all the, all the novel and then just to just to get it he get he becomes the hero at the end and becomes a super soldier and uh, i don't know i just i i find that i just find it a bit unbelievable to be to that sort of level i i don't i don't disagree with him being the hero in the sense that he he sways the tide or helps with things but the fact he then becomes a one-man army you know even better than rita i don't know yeah i don't know i, 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 don't know. I mean he, he followed the exact same arc that she did when True. she went yeah. through all this prior to and i don't know i think that that takes away i think from the story uh yeah which is kind of kind of why what they when they changed a little bit of the aspects in um, the movie, uh, where in in this she's she's dead once she they basically become the antenna and yes. one of them has to die to break the loop rather than just mm-hmm. killing the uh, server. So, um, yeah. But in the movie, uh, I, I guess um, backtracking slightly in the in the novel. It's a time loop, but you're not... It was weird. You're not actually <laughs> repeating time. It's no. one event, and your memory of that one time is just condensed into, like, hundreds of memories. Yeah. Um, in the movie, you're actually going through, like, a real time loop. Yeah. Whereas when you break out of that loop, you're, you're reset, I guess, back to the beginning and just it just moves forward from that point yeah. so in the movie uh rita comes back she's alive again at the end as you know to make a sequel or whatever they're doing or it's the love interest that was also <laughs> horribly like unnecessary in both the movie yeah. and in the the novel probably more so in the novel i yeah. didn't see any any need for that to be in there other than no. they they do share a, a very specific common experience yeah that's about it, really. I mean, I mean, I mean that because it, it it goes on to say about him, net, you know, changing the color of his of his jacket to blue, isn't it, in honor of her? And it, it again, it I can see it, but again, I think because he comes across as so selfish, again, I find that that's a bit of a a bit bittersweet, really. It's like, yeah, I kill, you know, he understands why he had to kill her, but again, it's almost like. He's done it just for effect more than anything. No, yeah, he's just like, I want to be cool. <laughs> I'm going to get a cool nickname and a, a cool suit and yeah, a becomes, big axe. He becomes Killer Cage, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah it. And which is where, which then obviously in the film, Tom Cruise is called William Cage, I believe. Mm. I think they, so that's where they 
you know, taken it from. Yeah. Well, I mean, his, his KG is his name, so they just yeah use that as well. Yeah, or I guess when sure. they did the the movie, um, they named him Cage to to pay homage to KG. Yeah. Exactly. So it makes sense, but yeah, I, it, it's a shame, really, because it's one of those things where I think the pacing of the novel could have been a bit better. I think that the the descript the even putting aside our feelings <laughs> against Cage <laughs> in this, but that you know ultimately the description and the the, the mo- him going through the repeats and motions I found quite interesting. The differences, you know, the bits where he mucks up. And you know he, he either he gets killed himself or he, he accidentally kills someone else and and such like they're quite amusing and then it just felt a bit rushed I think towards the end the whole the whole um, server antenna killing Risa I'm going to paint my jacket blue done <laughs> sort of situation I felt that last sort of quarter was yeah well I mean it came out of rushed. nowhere the, yeah. I didn't feel that they like foreshadowed that at all. You're going, yeah. okay, they're just both going to survive. Or if she dies, it's because a mimic kills her. I mean, there, yeah. there wasn't a reason to make them, oh, you're, we're both antennas. And she, she knew immediately somehow that, oh, you have to kill me. It's like, yeah. Uh, okay. And what's that based on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't, it's I don't know where she got yeah. that info. Yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, I agree. Um, what I did like a lot about the novel, uh, despite its brevity, is the chapters go back and forth. So we do get specific, like, Rita viewpoint chapters, which was great. Yes. That was probably a really good, uh, that was a strength of the uh, the novel. Definitely a good change of pace because, again, it, it, it was good because you, you got involved in her backstory. Because, yeah. again, you see, you know, she's throughout that the first bit you were just seeing her as a super soldier and that's about it really you don't really see why and then when you tr- then you, when you hear her background of this you know that night that, that, that good bit where it goes back to her being a child and, and then you you know unfortunately hear about her you know parents being killed by by the mimics then again it's obviously that's quite a common you know sort of, you know situation a, yeah, it's a trope. to have you know but it, it works at least it provides some context of and then you know you then naturally will you know root behind yeah. her and, and such like but and then then when it goes back to him you know it was like, okay that's good you know that's sort of yeah he's, now, he's just there she's <laughs> yeah. a more developed character and i was more interested in her and i think as a like a plot device i per, would prefer would have preferred if she had been the main character. She has like a specific drive. She has a reason why she's doing what she's doing. And she has two sides, her, you know, her persona and then herself, but she never lost who she was. She was, she was portraying out of necessity, this hard exterior. Whereas with KG, he takes on that exterior, like on purpose because he's kind of a jerk. Yeah. Like, he's just that way normally. And he just wasn't very good. You know, he... Exactly. You know, he's... I mean... He just gained the skills necessary to maintain that, like, weird machismo. Where she gained the skills, but then put on a persona. Yeah. He doesn't... He's not wearing that persona. That's him. He's a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. What's... What ultimate... You know, what's his drop? What's his... Per- you know, what? what's he... You know what is he doing it for? I, you know, and you could argue. You know, one side you could say, well, he's doing it to, you know, to obviously save the day, and you know, he's realised he's got this power. But again, I still think he's doing it for selfish reasons. Oh, yeah, this is a man that tried to run away. He, you yeah. know, he literally was just like, uh, yeah, I'm getting out of here, and and went awol and was yeah. killed. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, uh, he's he's a selfish person like and that doesn't ever really change yeah it's it, and it's he didn't grow as a person throughout this and that was the no, problem i had he, he he comes across as a brat and he ends on a brat mm. effectively he doesn't and it, and it's a shame really because okay if you're as a main character if you don't want him to be um the stereotypical action hero good guy that's fine you can make him an anti-hero but like you said 
they just made him a douchebag. And that's it, really. You know, <laughs> and it's, I mean, that could have been deliberate. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that was the reason. Because, because I suppose, in a, you know, in contrast to the film, putting aside it being, you know, big names like Tom Cruise, effectively, Rita or, you know, Emily Blunt's character in the film is, I find her more interesting. You know, the back, you know, the, the you know, again, Tom Cruise's character could have been anyone really it could have been it didn't have you know it didn't have to be you know tom tom cruise either you know again it could have been anyone but uh you know but i i you know i think that it probably was deliberate and like i said because it's a light novel they probably played upon that and you know it it doesn't it doesn't it's not enough to spoil the novel I think you know. It's still it no, read. no. It's it just it's fine. Um, it just could have been better. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we're not we're not doing this really for a review or a criticism. No. of <laughs> the novel. Um, it just yeah. needs to be discussed. I think. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, mostly because <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot uh, about the mimics to to pull out of this. I, I wanted there to be more, and I. You know, I went into this thinking that they were, you know, it's the novel. They'll have to talk about them more, yeah. um, and they they didn't. Yeah, it's a real shame, isn't it? Because I, when I got wind that, like, when we were talking that there actually was a novel, I thought, oh, great, this would be fantastic to talk about, you know, because obviously Mimics are, I found the Mimics in Edge of Tomorrow, you know, to be a good enemy. And yeah, they looked really well, cool. Yeah, exactly. And you think, well, if, they could, if they're doing a novel about it, it'll be it'll be even better, you know, the yeah. typical, the book's yeah, better. The book's, <laughs> the book's better than the novel, right? <laughs> you know, and, it, but, it, it, you know, it, it was in some ways, but in some ways it, it wasn't really. It's, I, I think it would have also benefited to being longer as well. I think this is one that could have been a longer novel where they could have fleshed it out. They could have gone into the Mimic's backstory. Um, again, they have touched upon it, You, but that, but that sounds fascinating. Like who, you know, explain who has sent the mimics down to, you know, to terraform the earth. Who, who are these people? You know, what, what's their motive? Where are they? Where are they? How far away are they in the universe? That things could have been, could have been great. I mean, to be fair in the, the sequel to Edge of Tomorrow, maybe they'll go into more depth about that. But, yeah. Um, here's a, a small quote um, from the, the Wikipedia page for Edge of Tomorrow regarding the sequel. Um, so the, uh, is this the director? Um, yeah, it looks like it's the director. Um, it's it's a quote from 2016. He's saying that the film would revolutionize how people make sequels. Um, and he went on to say that the story is much better than the original film and that it's a sequel. That's also a prequel. Uh, for what that means, I don't know. That's a lot of buzzwords. Um, (laughs) But that sounds like they would be talking more about the mimics and where they came from and what they mean. Um, The the title for this uh, will be Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. And And also reprising their roles will be Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Now, this is a little bit older uh, from last year, so I don't know uh, if this is still in the works or if it's in development hell or whatever, but uh, yeah, I I would watch it. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's, it's funny, actually, because I was just reading slightly off topic, but there's um, on the wiki, it talks about the comparison to video games on this, Hmm. actually, as well. Um, yeah, Lemon said that the film's repeated scenes intentionally paralleled the respawning feature in video games where players have to start over on a level if their character dies. Uh, in the afterword of All You Need Is Kill, the author notes his experience playing video games as a source of inspiration whilst writing the novel. Uh, probably Dark Souls he was probably playing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring that up. Um, so, yeah, I've actually pulled up the afterword um, from the novel. Okay. And uh, what does he say here? I'll just kind of read an excerpt. Um, I like video games, and I've been playing them since I was a snot-nosed kid. (laughs) 
I've watched them grow alongside me, but even after beating dozens of games on the hardest difficulty mode, I've never been moved to cheer until the walls shake. I've never laughed, cried, or jumped up to strike a victory pose. My excitement drifts like ice on a quiet pond, whirling around somewhere deep inside me. Maybe that's just the reaction I have watching myself from the outside. I look down from above and say, after all the time I put into the game, of course I was going to beat it. Um, I see myself with a grin plastered on my face, a veteran smile only someone who'd been there themselves could appreciate. The ending never changes. The village elder can't come up with anything better than the same worn-out line he always uses. Well done, XXX. I never <laughs> doubted that the blood of the hero flowed in your veins. Well, the joke's on you, Gramps. There's not a whole, there's not a drop of hero's blood in my whole body, so spare me the praise. <laughs> I'm just an ordinary guy and proud of it. I'm here because I put in the time. I have the blisters on my fingers to prove it. It has nothing to do with coincidence, luck, or the activation of my Wonder Twin powers. I reset the game hundreds of times until my special attack finally went off perfectly. Victory was inevitable. So please, hold off on all the hero talk. Um, looking at it like that, that's, that is the the... The main character in the yeah. light novel. He's not, yeah. You know, he's a jerk, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's for it's for a reason. He's just a regular guy that isn't a hero and yeah. he has his flaws, but he's just done something so many times he can't help but succeed. Yeah. Which, so Yeah, which is it, I mean it's it's it's, yeah. it's it's well done for for what it was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, like for for us that, that obviously play a lot of video games, it, that's how you get. Oh, I was going to say get good then. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, uh... Get good. Um, I was going to say get. This is how you get get good. It's, no, but it's true though, isn't it? Ultimately, the people. You know, um, I know we're, you know we're slightly going off topic with Dark Souls here, but for me, when I side any of the souls games you know like a lot of people is absolutely useless i could i can never imagine ever completing one and now i've completed most of them you know and it, it, it you know it shows that um you know putting aside being a jerk but just but, but actually you know just saying that you know just repeat but that's how we do that's that's what humans do that's how we get good at things i know obviously natural talent plays a lot into things but ultimately you know where people do excel is from repeating and repeating and and just getting the best they can at what they do effectively so yeah i i think that's quite a good analogy actually uh, i think that's quite interesting i did actually read that bit actually in the novel i just completely forgot about it until you mentioned <laughs> it but no it's um that's a good way of putting it actually yeah yeah um yeah well i think we covered what we wanted to uh, about the mimics because it was it was thin. There was yeah, a whole yeah. lot to dig into. Yeah. Um, but what that does uh, bring us to, which we can further a little bit of discussion here, is uh, Cameron uh, kindly. He's 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 here with us in spirit and uh, via spirit. via a question he sent in. <laughs> so hi Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> hey Cameron. Thanks for joining Come us. Back. <laughs> so um he says a question for the episode what kind of mimic is worse ones that imitate organic creatures or ones that imitate inanimate objects and why oh right okay um for me it would definitely be the latter because i think the thought of mimics mimicking everyday objects is quite terrifying really because at least for us, us as humans, if this you know was in a realistic, we're used to dealing with organic creatures. Ultimately, whether it's pets or dangerous animals, well, not well. It depends what your life. Well, it depends what sort of lifestyle you have. <laughs> um, um, but ultimately, you know, we if it, if it came to the point now where you know you're scared of the bin next to you, under you know, underneath your desk. That's, you know, I think that would just drive you crazy through paranoia more than anything, really. At least, you know, if you thought, you know, if you saw a dog, you know, walking across, you know, that potentially could be a mimic, for example, then at least, you know, you, 
you you know, I'm not saying you're on your guard when you see a dog, unless again you're scared of them. But ultimately, you know, you're a bit more prepared, aren't you, for that sort of thing? But like yeah. I said, if you've got, uh, you know, a, a killer microwave, then uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a different situation. What, what's your thoughts on it? Dave? No, um, it's it's the same thing. Um, the organic things that we encounter. Uh, I think regardless of your, you know, your disposition toward them, be it another person or a, a pet or a wild animal, uh, those have a chance of being harmful toward you. Yeah. That's you know, I mean. or it, regardless of if you do something or if you do something, there's, there's an avenue for that. You can expect that to a certain degree. Now, if it's a pet or a friend um, the chances of that happening are, you know, far slimmer, um, yeah. but it's still there, you know, um, with an inanimate object, unless it's like a paper shredder or a machine <laughs> that because of your fault uh, hurts you or, you yeah. know, some sort of operator error. Um, yeah. That's one thing, but, you know, yeah, a sentient, fax machine you know <laughs> trying to yeah. kill you or a treasure chest yeah, ah yeah well exactly i mean but then to be fair treasure chest now i would be quite wary <laughs> it's ingrained in us now but yeah I, like I, said, I don't want to be scared of my ps4 controller i don't i don't want that to be a situation i don't want it to turn into something yeah uh, um did you ever see the film scanners no no, no i'm sorry not scanners um well, I just botched it there. It's not scanners. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've not seen scanners. Definitely. Okay, well, that's a good one, but a completely unrelated film. Um, no, it's it's with Peter Weller. They're in outer space. Oh. Um, um, there's robots that look like people. Oh, what is that? Yeah, that rings a bell, man. Like... Well, I'm going to look it up and we'll just edit. <laughs> Make this <laughs> <Yeah>. easy. <laughs> um... Oh yeah, I think I it, it's something that sounds like scanners. Yeah, that's right. I'm trying to screamers. Yeah, screamers. Uh, no, I've not seen it. <laughs> okay, uh, well, watch yeah, that no. one. It's a it's a ridiculous okay. uh, movie. But um, so in Screamers, there's a scene where one of the guys he picks up a rock, okay. um, and they're they're on Mars or something. I don't remember. But uh, he's kind of sitting there. But then the rock pops up like these crab legs and grabs onto his hand and he, you know, he, he freaks out and he's cursing, but he's like, you know, Oh, you stupid rock. Why can't you just be a rock? It's that same idea. You know, you, right. you would not expect a rock to be some weird hermit crab alien. Um, or, you know, uh, the, the actual, the titular screamers to, to be a small child that yeah. splits their head open and has like buzzsaw inside. So, um, yeah, mimics. They <laughs> they're in that yeah. movie too. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, I'm just looking at some of the screenshots. It's quite freaky, actually. Yeah, it's really... um, you know, it's a it's a step above a, a B movie. It may have gone direct yeah. to video. I don't I don't remember. It's yeah. 1996, maybe. Yeah, it's definitely. It's good. I like Peter Weller. So yeah. So. Huh. It's a good little okay. post RoboCop and uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, Fun little movie. It's, 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 it's amazing what Google brings up. I'm just in <laughs> Screamers movie, and you've got all these bits of thing, and then all of a sudden I see Serge Tankian from System of a Down. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in here. I don't know where in okay. <laughs> Was he in the movie? No. Yeah, <laughs> so, he's probably yeah. just screaming. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Good so, time. yeah. Um, well, that brings us to a more recent Mimic game, uh, Prey. Yes. And, um, well, I mean, these, the mimics in this are reminiscent of the mimics from, um, uh, all you need is kill. Just yeah, they miniature. Are. Yeah. yeah, effectively. I mean, I've, I've not, I've played probably, I don't know, six, seven hours in hmm. Prey and, you know, cause they're called, they're in the, in Prey, they're called the, the Typhon is the sort of name of the, the, the alien race, whereas mimics are effectively the first stage or version yeah yeah Yeah. level the level one the level (laughs) one pokemon version of them where they um 
but well, I think it, they, you know, for anyone that's played Prey, that uh, would understand they're they're a, they're a good character, actually, a good enemy, I should say. They can effectively turn into anything that you see. This is where you get paranoid about coffee mugs and bins and chairs and everything, you know, all, all the run-of-the-mill objects that you can think of. Um, and when they do uh, sort of transform into their natural state, they are reminiscent of the mimics in Edge of Tomorrow, though. If you sort of look at their their sort of the way they look, they're not the same as such, but they've got, you know, four legs. They're sort of a black mess effectively but you can see there's sort of slight tentacles in them that's slightly contorting so they're, they're not quite the same as the edge of tomorrow no ones, they're, but they're but they're you know they've like got, a they share sludgy octopus and uh head crab from half-life yeah effectively and um but it, i think what portrays them quite well is you, you and what i like also with the the next one which is the the phantoms which are the sort of humanoid versions of them um, sort of the Typhon is that they, you know, they got this sort of sort of hate black haze and around them as well. You know, they they sort of again similar to the ones the mimics in Edge of Tomorrow, where because they're contorting and they're constantly swirling and moving, you know, like, where's one end to the other? And it's similar to these to in that sense, not not quite the same, but you know, they come across as quite, uh, you know, disturbing, quite where you're trying to get a good look at them but you can't really you know you don't have enough time they're too they're too on the move really but no i i, I mean how much of prey have you played dave you just did you say you played mm, the demo i did the demo so that's about an hour the first yeah. hour so, I think well, they've yeah. even so you've, um, come across, you've come across them yeah effectively. there's like so, yeah. one and then a bunch of the the mini the mini little mimics that uh yeah they inspire to you to just either run through the level and not touch anything or <laughs> go whack happy with the wrench and ah, smash yeah. everything you come across that is that is that's how i play the game literally yeah and that's no way to live you don't want to go through no. the day like <laughs> kicking things and hitting them with a spanner exactly it doesn't it don't, you know that people don't appreciate it no, no, other people don't appreciate no, it either. You know, I don't think my wife would have to be happy with not smashing the glasses down there. Oh, that coffee cup! It looked at me funny. <laughs> I think it moved. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna make a phone call. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I end up in a in the back of a truck. But it's um, yeah, it's 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 good though. I think it's a good enemy to you know from a gaming point of view. It's it's like I said, it's very reminiscent of of half-life but it's good in the sense that it's a slightly different way of dealing with enemies you know i mean it does get a bit because i've got to the point in the game where you get say uh like a visor for your you know for your uh, your suit which basically means you when you look at it you, you can it'll tell you what mimics are you know so it'll go that box over there's a mimic so you get revenge because then you can just smack it <laughs> <laughs> you can smack the hell out of it before <laughs> so you've got the drop on it rather, rather than the way around so which sort of does slightly trivializing but you know it's again it's just to just to get you freaked out i think for the first sort of few hours of the game really but mm-hmm. no it's a you know i must get i must pick it up actually i must get back into to playing it actually because it's, it's quite enjoyable but you know time <laughs> yeah i wish i could repeat time i wish i could rewind time yeah, you know, just don't be a jerk right. about it. Yeah, I'll try not to. Get some character development, man. Yeah, I'll try. Uh, yeah, um, well, I think right. that wraps us up. Uh, yeah. Thanks for ghosting in a question, uh, Cameron. Yeah, cheers, Cameron. Uh, yeah, that was a, a shorter little episode. Um, yeah. Where can, uh, where can folks find you on the interwebs, Matt? They, they can find me, as always, on Twitter at NinjaBadger7, the number seven. Um, said free to talk, free to follow. Um, how about you, Dave? I'm also on Twitter at Sentinot underscore plus. As always, it will be in the notes because I picked a name that's hard to spell. <laughs> <laughs> and also because you're a you know, you're a sellout as well. I've heard you've done a Kung Fu podcast as well. 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> so both podcasts are on iTunes. You can look us up. Um, well, if you're hearing this, uh, I don't know why you need to look it up extra. But um, Monster Dear Monster, actually, uh, go log on to iTunes and send us some reviews. We're, we're yes, sorely uh, hurting in that department. Um, the other podcast would be under Crouching Tiger Hidden Podcast. Excellent. And both on uh, iTunes and both on twitter you can probably find us on there too pretty easily yeah um yeah if you have questions comments if you'd like to uh guest uh, we we love having guests on the uh, on the show Absolutely. and uh just drop us a line um either regularly through twitter or through a, a dm um and we'll we'll get back in touch with you yeah definitely i think and also if anyone's got any suggestions of things that they'd like us to cover as well i think you know any games films books monster types playing cards whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah collectible card games yeah we'll we'll have at it one way or the other absolutely we're we're open to suggestions yes please send them on in because we're uh, running out of ideas no, <laughs> no we're not, we're not we're running not. out of ideas no, we've far got from it. plenty got uh, yeah, got a absolutely. lot of stuff uh on the good old schedule here and um we'll we'll be making a return um to some of the souls like games um bloodborne yep. and um we got some some fun stuff planned for the future yeah absolutely. and uh yeah we look look forward to hearing from you that's Definitely. uh I think that's a wrap from us. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.